Bring a bit of heat, bring a bit of energy, boys. Come on. edition of the Imprintercast, or another Carlton podcast. We're brought to you by MGA 121 Media, and I don't know why we keep doing this to ourselves, but um, we're here. We're here to talk about whatever yesterday was. We'll get through that. Uh, my name's Sean Peterbudge, I'm joined by Tim Davis. Tim. <laughs> Sean, how are you? You sound like you're a battling man. I am. Absolutely no, no I hear. I hear. It's uh, it's this this game that we're involved with. It um, it absolutely it, it takes the best of you, and um, for some footy clubs, it gives back you know the same amount and sometimes two, three, and fourfold. But yesterday, she wasn't one of those days. It we've was been, um, it was a tough Timbo, We've been tricked into a ninety-year mortgage at a forty-five percent interest rate. <laughs> It, uh, it does feel a little bit like that. Uh, do you want to give us a... I'm, I'm, this is dangerous given you've just said we want a tight 125. Do you want to give us a rundown on what we've seen in the pool thus far? You're a big, big swimming man. You love your swimming. Oh, I do. I do. It was it was so close to almost a perfect day, wasn't it? It was um, uh, the 400 IM. You always knew Smith was going to come home like a train. He just had to be close enough. Um, the swim was magnificent. He won himself a bronze medal coming from literally, well, not literally nowhere, but almost <laughs> I thought you were going to save the clouds. He was in the pool with everyone else. <laughs> he was always in the pool. Uh, but that was a really good swim. Um, it's a shame that it was two, two Americans that knocked him off because for some reason we like to knock off the septics. But anyway, um, and then uh, 400 free, I had, I had huge hopes for Elijah Winnington. Um, and he unfortunately didn't perform, but Jack McLaughlin put in one of the great performances. Um, unfortunately, somebody forgot to tell the pride of Tunisia to swim a little slower in the heats and miss the final. Um, but, I mean, look, I love the Olympic Games because it tosses up, you know, odd results from time to time, and whoever this kid is, let's hope he has a, a storied career, and this was just day one, but hopefully he doesn't disappear into the night because... Look, it's a great story, and good luck to him. But uh, mind you, I love I love the post the post race comment where the um, the reporter goes, um, "Could you see him, Jack?" And he goes, "I wear glasses. I can't see anything, <laughs> but but I do have a funny feeling. I think he thought that he was in front, which is a little bit heartbreaking. Um, but he swam right to the end. It was a terrific swim. He did everything right. And then obviously um, the four by hundred freestyle relay was always going to be a win. But it's just nice to see." absolute dominance but the best thing out of that race was watching the canadians beat the americans by 0.03 of a second and i swear to god if you watch the replay the canadians were celebrating harder than the australians so um it was fantastic that race um for the silver medal but yeah not nice day of swimming hopefully it continues um and i think emma mckeon put on the uh, agenda that she's in some serious form swimming as quick as she did in the morning in that relay swim at the end she's um She's up for some pretty good results, I think. Welcome to Off the Deep End, the Olympic <laughs> Swimming Podcast with Tim Davis. We, we do joke, but Timbo is a, is a bona fide, to borrow a phrase from uh, Parker, a bona fide swimming nut. So 
Um, as I said on Twitter today, if you want to talk swimming, if you have a question about swimming, or if you're just enjoying the swimming at the Olympics, get in touch with him because he'll talk to you. We'll, go, we'll go now to uh, Fabian. You big idiot. You put on. You managed to put down TikTok for 15 minutes to have a chat to us, which is exciting. You've been doing some of your dances, have you, Fab? <laughs> you just want to. You just want to look at the the good-looking girls dancing on. You know, like doing dance routines on TikTok. That's what you're about. He hides. Sorry, you, you're there, Sean. I, he, he hides behind the, like I, this I, masquerade. I, 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 I you were blocked for a couple of minutes there. Sorry, mate. You're back now. We'll get to I'm that. <laughs> we'll get to that later, Fab. Um, like I said, uh, Fab's just a big fan. He hides behind the the bands, Tim. He wants to find like funny TikToks, but that's all a ruse to justify him looking at attractive young women doing strange dance routines. I'm hearing it. <laughs> well, like you notice that Fab's not disputing I don't, I don't that. Like He's not this alliance that you two. Fab's not contesting. Um, DU alumni have, have, uh, have, have formed during this uh, this recent lockdown. But um, slugs for life. <laughs> Little college roommates at DU. Which way were you pointing, Timber? <laughs> the Currawong Bush Park campus. Oh, Buona sera ragazzi. What? <laughs> um, yeah. What do you want me to say? I don't even know what that wasn't. An, was that an intro or was that nah, just? I'm an, trying to delay. Slag, I'm, another, trying to, another, I'm trying to delay as best we can talking about yesterday. Why? I, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about yesterday because I I could tee off because well, we, I'm, I'm at the point of almost not giving a shit anymore. So um, just to backpedal over Timbo swimming, which I know is dangerous. You keep calling him the the man from Tunisia. He's your. He's got your favourite name, Ahmed. Was he? Was he an Ahmed? Was he? Yeah, Ahmed Hafnoi. Hafnoi. Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, he's officially taken over from the the set used in A New Hope as the pride of Tunisia from this morning. They've all thought, "Thank God, we've moved on from that." <laughs> and I'll be calling him Adam from now on too. Adam, <laughs> will we be seeing him at the for the rest of the meter? Is the four hundred his go? Which one? Will we be seeing? Does he swim in any other events? Mate, I actually don't know. I, I, I can I'll, – I'll answer that question before the um, before the show is out. Don't feel obliged to do that. We can move on. Um, <laughs> before, we'll just back over. Uh, obviously, last week's Prender DJ was uh, New York Minute. Uh, it was guest not Ben Curry and Tim W were both bang on the money. Uh, re- how things can quickly change when we make the right moves or flick the switch and all of a sudden get the result we're after. Fab embarrassed himself twofold. One, thinking like he didn't have to have a song in memory of Sergio Silvani for some reason. That was the weakest... What, what did you want me to play? The Ave Maria? That was the weakest of weak source excuses I've ever heard come out of your mouth, and that is a Cox Plate field. And the second one was the idea that you had the gall to slag the song off. It's the worst Don Henley song of all time. There, I said it. Could have gone with Boys of Summer. If you're going to just play an irrelevant track, it's entirely relevant. And the fact that you're like, "Oh, it's fucking studio," so the fucking studio is pretty rich coming from you. It's a crap song, given what you've been serving up. Eighties uh, bangers, Sean. That doesn't pe- that doesn't qualify as an eighties. I don't even know if it was released in the eighties, but it's an eighties adjacent that's a, banger. That's not a banger. It's, it's an eighties adjacent banger at worst. Anyway. Um, we're going to get now onto the program itself. It was quite a day yesterday. We were routed by the kangaroos on the field, of course. And again, uh, and again, say, say, yeah. say the word again 
because I'm starting to get fucking sick and tired. We beat him last year. Yeah, but do you remember the pod last year, Sean, yeah, when we got on plot. and you were all jovial about oh, it? No, I wasn't jovial about it, about but you lost stab, the plot. You know? we, we had them on a platter and allowed them back in. They have cooked us year on year. Playing Except for last year. Is their grand final. Why are we still and talking about last year, year's game? I have to go away after a North Melbourne game being so disappointed. Now, Lindsay Thomas it's... doesn't even have to fucking play anymore. I think it's to yet... do with you, mate. I think it's Goz. You, you dispute this, but I think... Go- look, I'll, I'll be dead honest. Goz is actually one of the nicest blokes yeah, but to you... banter with. No, no, you dispute it, but you get you. It's like my dad with Fremantle, where you're like, why do these guys annoy you so much? Like, you're like that with North. You get so tied up in a knot about North Melbourne. Because I think year you actually... on year, we get beaten by this shithouse team. We didn't last year. Oh, last year. Do you remember the performance last year? We had an argument on pod. We did. We're very similar to this. Eerily similar to this. Yeah. About us having was, won the it game. It was ridiculous. Why do we let a side like North Melbourne, of all teams, have the wood on us? Because they don't respect us. So we obviously yeah. lost the game and, yesterday. And, and they play a style that seeks to um, undermine, not so much undermine, but exploit what we don't do well. But equally, it's a really, really simple game plan that um, that that seeks to occupy the corridor and move the ball fast. And you sit there and we've always said, don't get beaten by what you know. And you watched it from the absolute outset. When the when the ball was moving slowly, we were okay behind it. When they when they moved it fast, we were at sixes and sevens and nothing changed. Contrast at Timbo, um, how brilliantly Geelong pre- uh, protected the corridor when we played them a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we needed to learn a lesson from that. We could not do it for... No. for one contest, we couldn't just did, do it by accident. And did we, and did we try? That, that's the um, uh, that, that's the, the secondary question. So the lead story out of yesterday was obviously the loss. Um, the back page. Oh, don't don't bury the lead, the, Sean. No, well, the, the back page is that we've been blue listed by the football club. Unfortunately, blue listed. Uh, yeah, we've been blue listed. They've blue listed us. We'll get into that a bit later. I've got an op-ed about uh, the how and why and what might be behind that, but that's fine. We'll get into that later on. Um, we need to lead off with a chat about the coach, chat about David Teague. Timbo, we've said and uh, we've said it on the pod many, many times, not with um, reference as such directly for Teague, but time is the undefeated champion. We are wasting it. We it, are wasting it, time. It, Timbo, it, it we have... a great question, yeah. Timbo, this year, 2021, we have spun the wheels. We have. We have. I, like... When, when the dust settles at the end of the season, you're going to look back and you're going, all things going well, we end up with a Coleman medal winner. Um, as we've sort of said, we, we may end up winning some um, individual silverware with the sort of season that Sam Walsh has had. If we can support him for the last four weeks of the season, something might come. Um, we'll probably have three blokes in the All-Australian team and you would sit there and you're going, in isolation, each of these things are real positives. But at the end of the day, it was natural progression of three real young stars of the game, you remove them and going, what What are our wins? You know, you've got a few extra games into TDK. Um, you've probably found that Owies is an adequate small forward, needs to build on his game, but he's got something to be able to work with, albeit, you know, not a, not a game-changing role, but, you know, he'll complement other things that are going on. And, and we've um, unleashed Saad, we've unleashed Williams, um, Have we unleashed Williams? 
Well, look, I, I thought he was building into his game quite well yesterday. Oh, I thought I, he was. I thought he was best on ground until halftime. I, I, I read his last three games have been pretty good, but mm. but as you say, the the wins that we're we're taking out of this dumpster fire of a season are really really small. And and if you can turn around and go, geez, is that even a win? You're going well. That probably illustrates your point better than anything, Sean. So and, and ultimately, wh- you know, my position on it is. And I said as much in a controversial tweet that we're we're wasting meetings, we're wasting training sessions, we're wasting team selections, we're wasting players' contracts, we're wasting everything. But we can't pull the trigger now, Sean. Once the review was started, no, but the the reviews, mate, the reviews are relevant. He's gone. I know the reviews are relevant in the sense that he's gone. So, but but with a month to go, Fab is right. Like I don't think there's a lot to be gained. Like when we had twelve weeks in the season, we'll get smashed in the media, Timbo. We'll get smashed in the media. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Don't care what the media's got to say. Twelve weeks, you can't do five. Don't be governed by the media. We're as a football club. I know that's Sean, but we fucking are. That's the problem. But why are you acting like we should give two squirts a piss, or you get smashed in the media? Don't care. Does so the club's so worried about his fucking image, it's not funny. So this is the thing. You've got two distinct lines of thought that come out of a performance like yesterday when it comes to the coach, Fab. Yep. Some people, like me, some people go the coach. And it's not because of one performance, it's the whole bigger picture. And then yep. you've got the other side of the argument who absolve the coach of any blame and they trot out old chestnuts like, well, he didn't miss that target. He didn't chase. He can't chase who him. But he can establish a set of standards, be uncompromising in his messaging, and ingrain a competent and or reliable structure that becomes second nature. Yep. Does it look like Absolutely. he's done any of that? No, it hasn't. And I would love for us to be on here critiquing performances of individuals in how they execute a sound game plan because that means there's something to build on, like you were saying, but... We don't. So anyone who is happy to dismiss the coach in all of this are just crazy. They are just crazy. It's madness. It is genuine madness that you go, you got you got different people potting different players. <clears throat> they are performing to instruction, Timbo, as part of a system that they are told. They are performing to a set of standards. They are performing they can only exist within the framework that David Teague and his coaches have established. And they obviously don't either respect that framework, which is a problem, or the framework is crap. Yeah, that, that but, doesn't that doesn't absolve you some some of some shit efforts. No, yesterday. So we're we're not saying here if you know we had an awesome coach in the effort we put in yesterday would have got us the result. No, there was some absolutely horrific, horrific. I don't, I don't think you'd efforts. see that effort. I think you'd see better effort. Absolutely, they're not playing for him. And, and this is the thing, it's chicken and egg. You, you're sitting there and you go, like, if, if, if when the dust settled on everything and this would be the most phenomenal cup half full, you would say that team, after a long season, just felt like having lost the entirety of the forward line that you thought, we're going to work, I just don't see... I don't see the value in working. They feel like we're too far off finals. There's not enough to be gained. We're only paying for pro- playing for pride. And you've got a side that's, for the last month, have actually been playing pretty good footy, haven't won. They get a hold of us and we give up and go, there's no real point. And which I detest because you're playing for the Carlton Football Club and you need more pride and you need more passion and you need more 
spine and spirit than that. But you can kind of sit there and from the absolute human side, you can almost see it. But I just sit there and going, if the effort isn't there, then then you don't belong to something. It's not being driven into you. Um, there's just there's just there's no substance there. And and to that end, you're going. Somebody has to rebuild this culture and work out what we're about and what we're striving for. And right now, it's not David Teague. We need to just talk generally speaking about Teague's preparation. And, and when we say Teague, we will be fair. It is his coaching group as well. Um, so if we if we don't qualify it with that, we are talking about the coaching collective. Um, yesterday was the nadir of his tenure at the Carlton Football Club. There have been bad results. There have been bad stretches. There have been bad quarters, bad run-ons. Yesterday was a greatest hits. We use that phrase a lot of everything that's bad. Structure was horrible, smashed in clearance, defence exposed, um, the run-on that we couldn't stop. We had all week to prepare. I, I think, I don't buy the bullshit, we had all week to prepare knowing that, geez, Harry's probably unlikely. Harry's probably unlikely to play. I don't buy this crap that he did a fitness test on the Friday morning and just pulled up, so I can't do it. Rubbish, absolute crap. Because Cripps was shown photographed training forward on Liam Jones on the Thursday, I think. Yeah. So this idea that it was sprung, they didn't expect it. You had all week knowing that Harry's not going to play. I completely accept and support the idea of dropping that information as late as possible because you create a misdirect, create, you know, we're planning for him as much as you can derail North's preparation do. We didn't adjust anything. Nothing. We knew that he wasn't going to be there. On Fox at halftime, David Teague recognised the problems that we're experiencing them bouncing off halfback. He's reactive to things. He doesn't wait too long. We surrendered the corridor. And then you think about our own forward 50 entries, Fabian. Okay, we don't have a tall target. So what we're going to need to do is get creative. Like the idea of Cripps forward. I thought some of the messaging with Cripps was weird. He Was was he told to stand and wrestle? Well, if he was, that was horrific. Just and dumb. If he wasn't. If he wasn't, then that was pretty poor on his behalf early on because he just wasn't moving. There was something there that was amiss. Either he wasn't told yeah. or he was taking matters into his own hands. Um, I'm inclined to think it was maybe the latter. <clears throat> but when you don't have the big forward, the bailout that we so rely on, Fab, you actually need to get the ball in deeper so you're creating a lock-in style of football that hems North Melbourne as deep as possible. We were getting the ball 40 metres out from goal. That gives them 35 metres to retreat before kicking out. You get the ball in deep, you get the ball in to like not quite the top of the goal square. That gives them nine metres to play with to, to get the ball out again. Yep. And you swarm them at ground level as they're hemmed as close to the goal line as possible. We were giving them legitimately 40 metres of turf behind them to back back into, back back into, create the overlap, out we go. Yep. Yep. Disgusting. Disgusting. The alternative here is, Sean, this is, I might be thinking... Out of the box, but you know, it seems to me this seems pretty straightforward. Every side, what they do to Carlton, stack the back line, which we find hard to break down, and get us on the counter. Yep. We needed to be that system yesterday. We we because we can. If we have to play players. one, have I lost you? No, no we can. No, no, we're all over it. We yeah. commit too many players forward. We commit too many players in attack which means Fab's just tinkering around with something. He looks like he's dropping out. Um, we commit too many players in attack, Timbo, which means that when the ball comes back out, we're massively exposed. Yeah, we're, we're all in. 
we're all in with a forward line structure and personnel that is going to be hard to be able to get the job done at the best of times and we're not in a position that we can counter when it comes back out the other way and the preparedness to run and work and the desire to be, you know, as you've always sort of said, you know, all hands to the pump, uh, it was it was just too few too often. And the frustrating thing too about the fact that we weren't getting the ball in deep enough was when you end up kicking the ball to that sort of shallow part of the perimeter of 50, they're bad looks, they're bad, they're low percentage shots at goal. That equals low percentage conversion. You're having shots at goal from 45 all the time, 50. They're just bad looks at goal. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, and as you say, a little bit like the Geelong game where, you know, one goal 13 was, um, you know, not great, but we were asked to take possession, uh, sorry, take shots on goal from really wrong positions on the ground. Um, we let ourselves into that same situation this week. We just weren't dangerous enough. The other problem I think I've got, we'll, we'll wait for Fab to come back. He's just dropped out. You know, we've spoken a lot of a lot of times recently about the individual brilliance problem we have, whereby David Teague and his coaches feels as though they've built a bit of a house of cards just so reliant, too reliant on individuals. If Harry doesn't fire, we don't kick a score. If Walsh doesn't fire, we're toothless in the middle. You know, if... If Jones and his, and Weeder in particular, but if Jones's intercept is off, we get cut up. And and in fairness, there are a lot of other sides. If you come up against, say, West Coast, and you're able to negate Nat Nui um, at clearance, you um, you stop you know Kelly getting out in space or Gaff in space, and you quell um, Kennedy in the forward line. Oh. That'll go that'll, that'll go a long way towards winning. He's back. But it's it's not a guarantee that you um, that you win the game because through through um, players being down, there's opportunity for other guys to be able to step up and take the initiative and be you know shape the result and all those sorts of things. Um, and and granted, got a lot of players out, and and for some reason that's not an excuse for Carlton, but it seems to be for every other team in the competition floating around. Um, but um, but when when it's one thing to go, next man up, keep the structure, keep the structure, keep the structure. But when there is no structure, regardless of whether you're playing Nunes yeah. forward or Kennedy forward or Cripps forward, at that point, as you've said, your whole coaching staff has to say, change the structure. Let's do something completely different. Absolutely, completely different. That's what I was about to say, Timo. You hit the nail right on the head. This idea of whatever we're trying to do, it, it, it's yes, it is... It is reliant on those stars. So if they're not there, that's a massive problem. But it's not just a matter of taking those guys out and we don't perform because we, we don't seem to have any idea of what we're trying to do anyway. Even if we have a full complement as such, even if we had had our best team out on the park, I think our method would be just as sloppy, just as haphazard. Yeah. People say, oh, well, you know, Charlie's not there and Gov's not there and these guys aren't there. Fab... If they were in forward 50, we'd be just playing the most expensive game of markers up of all time. Yep. It's and a joke. We win it, and we win at 50 to 60% of the time. But that's not the way to play. That's not the way to play. And what I was saying before, I was rudely cut off by... Your shit out internet connection. Um, we were the one that, that needed to clog up space in our defensive 50 and catapult, catapult forward into something that resembled an open field. Instead, we continued to play the same structure all day that had us basically playing against a brick wall and you're getting smashed the other way. 
And to see it unfold the way it did was infuriating, infuriating. Um, I think the, the big thing that I came across too was ultimately out of this result, you sort of think, what do you need? And, and it's not just from a coaching point of view, it's also from an administrative point of view, a leadership point of view, on and off the field, Fab. And the thing that I came away with last night sitting there, we've spoken about it in the past, we've mentioned this in the past. At the moment for where we are and where we want to go and what we hope to achieve, we need an autocrat. We need an authoritarian. And if certain players rail against that, as was alleged after a spray last year, thanks for your services. We'll organise we- a trade for you. Best of luck. We need a leader, Sean. We need a leader that, as you said, it's per, it's per, you said it perfectly. Some may not like it, and they are the people who you want around a footy club. We need someone with leadership, and the more I look, and not, I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm not just talking about the head coach. I'm talking about the entire club. I can't see anybody at that club who has that that aura about them of this is what needs to be done and this is what we're going to do. Nobody. Nobody on the field. Nobody in the coach's box. Nobody in the football department. No one on the board has the, the drive to kind of push the club in the direction it needs to go. What would it's John, embarrassing. What would John Elliott... It wouldn't have got John this Elliott far. would have busted in the rooms. It wouldn't have got this far into John. Obviously, he's persona non grata down at the club. No, how that feels, John. Um, but <laughs> he's been rewritten out of the history books. Um, but I think that with the one of the notes I made yesterday was our leaders, and this goes for specifically on field, but it's it's off field as well as you just touched on, Timbo. Our leaders need to be so much more ruthless than they are. They should have locked the door yesterday after the game. No disrespect to a guy like David Teague, not just said we're having it out. Just lock the door and sit in there for as long as it takes. You know what was the legendary story? Matty Scarlett, you know, Gary yeah. Ablett, and these guys. I'm not saying we've got any fucking Gary Ablett sitting around, but guys that just sit there and go, "This is bullshit. That effort was crap. That was crap. You know, this is rubbish." Just have it out with one another, Tim. Well, and and as you say, it's it's setting the standard and it's it's identifying what the identity of your football club is. What 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 do we want to be like? You sit there for so bloody long in a football club and the pre-seasons are long, you know, the seasons are long and you're going, if we're going to front up every day, every training session and we're going to work towards something, what do, what do we want it to look like? You know, h- how do we want to go about it? Because, like, you can rock up and you can have a five, six, eight-year footy career and go about your business and, and get a few touches here and there and get reasonably well-paid get spat out and then be part of something else. And you're going, you'd be playing a lot more games of football than I ever did and all power to you for the fact that you're being a part of it. But if you're going to put the effort in, make it count. And mm. and, and too much at the moment, it just feels like we're just going through the, mo- the motions and near enough is almost good enough and all this sort of stuff. And you're going, the supporters that, that, that sort of bleed here and, and, and hang on every single moment in a game of footy, you just want more. Yeah, you know, just give us something more. And, and and as you said, it's got to start from somewhere. And the bottom line is it's not going to start from, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to – it's not going to be start, not going to start from Matt Owies. You know, he, he, even if he's had great elite basketball um, 
you know, history or anything else like that that he's able to apply to what he's doing as a, an AFL footballer, he's not going to change the standards or set the standards of the Carlton Football Club because it doesn't work that way. It's going to come from higher than him, mate. It's going to come Absolutely. from higher than any player. We, don't, not, have, we yep. don't have a culture at our club. No, it's gone. Actually, we do. We have a culture of losing, you know the of focusing on, to, focusing on shit that is not important. You know what the other yep. problem is, Fab? So... Once again, with a guy like Teague, the playing group have to have the wherewithal, to, and a lot of them would have the experience to go, this guy's done. So it's not about going into business for ourselves, but we actually need to recognise that we have to take control here of the own the standards within the group, the expectations within the group, how we train, because that stuff coming from above from this coaching group, this coaching group's gone. So it's yeah. not about having a mutiny. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. It's about actually recognising, you know what, it's going to be some pretty seismic changes here. Let's get a four or five week head start on all that and make sure that we finish the season off in a manner that we can come back on whatever it is, December 1, in a really positive mindset and a really positive attitude to go, we did it in the back half of last year. We did the right things. We ticked all the boxes. We had the right attitude. We trained to the proper standard. We pushed each other. We pushed ourselves. Whoever the new coach is, that's what he's inheriting. He's inheriting, he's inheriting a good impression. Look at the way Adelaide, and I know they didn't change coaches, but look at the way they bounced into this season because they finished last season strong. They did? Do you know what I'm... They, they, they beat us. Fucking hell, that was embarrassing. But they bounced into this season because they got a head start. Like Sean was saying, all we're doing is wasting time. Wasting time. The other thing and, if is- it's, and if it's too late to sack him and replace him... You give him the instruction where I don't give a flying fuck what you want to do. You are playing X and you are playing Y and you are playing Z in these positions. That's a segue because you know who the man the man that needs to tell him that is a footy boss. Yeah, the guy who leads the football department. We need a strong footy boss. I'm not convinced we have a strong footy boss, and I'll I'll go, um, I'll go so far as to say there have been opportunities this year where Brad Lloyd needed to be, I mean, people on Twitter jokingly today referring to him as the ghost, but he he needed to be seen and he needed to get out in front and he needed to, on occasion, be a shield for his inexperienced, vulnerable senior coach. He needed to get out and be a mouthpiece and give David Teague some cover because when the, the volley of bullets were coming in at different times, this stage, Timbo, you need your footy boss to be seen. Yeah, it's it, it, it becomes an all-of-club solution at that point, doesn't it? You know, if, like, you can't have let the situation gotten to, to get to where it is right now. There needed to be opportunities to have intercepted and deflected and, and focused on the right areas and all that sort of stuff. Those opportunities haven't been taken, so it would be far too late for it to happen now. But, yeah, he, he needed to be, he ne- needed to be a voice and he needed to be able to direct um, outcomes, selections, focuses, and all that sort of stuff a hell of a lot earlier than we did before. I, I posted on Twitter yesterday um, amongst a few other things just basically sort of saying the moment you're starting to make a deci- you know, decisions um, as a coach that are about protecting your own skin and your own position and not be the best, best decision for the football club, I think you're done because because you, your focus your focus isn't outward; it's suddenly inward, and that's not what's going to be making us better. 
and, as you say, a strong footy boss should have been able to massage the internal directions and, and, and to be able to keep focus on what do we need for five weeks' time, two years' time, whatever. You know, keep, keep, keep the vision long-term as football manager, not necessarily day-to-day, but keep everybody's view um, about not next week, not next quarter, not next goal, but you know, next season, two seasons' time, what we're building towards, and it just hasn't happened. And we've spoken many times in the past, uh, Tim and, and Fab. You can you can feel this one just about Brad Lloyd's role as the footy boss is to shepherd the ultimate philo- the philosophy as it's actually to create the philosophy of the football department to create the path forward, the plan. How do we get there? This is how we're going to get there. And then it's to actually, in cases like we've experienced recently, put your foot down and say to a guy like David Teague, this is what we're doing. I'm giving you permission to play this guy you don't want to play. Yep. And Absolutely. I'm aware. I'm going to go to the board. I'm going to go to the CEO. I'm the one that's going to explain. We have to know a bit more about A, B, and C. The CEO, for me, has to be removed from football decisions. He's there to financially run the club and make sure we're given the best tools in order to win games of football. Brad Lloyd's job is to manage the football side of the equation. Now, if that means, like you said, you have to set a plan and see how it's being executed. And it's the minute you see that it's being deviated from, then you have to be the one to drive the change. Now, if he, end of last season, he should have been the one going to the board and the CEO going, we need new assistant coaches or we need a refresh of well, assistant he, coaches. He's meant to identify that, isn't he? Yeah. And if he gets pushback from the CEO or the board for financial reasons, then that's just bullshit. But if oh, I, I suspect that he wasn't and it just wasn't called for because there's this you don't want to be. You don't want to work in spite of Brad Lloyd, but you also don't want to be chummy with the senior coach. And you're not. You're the one who has to keep everything pointed in the right direction. If, if it's not, the senior coach can't be your mate. The no. playing group can't be your mate. This is that funny stuff where you see Brad Lloyd yesterday, and he's always coming to the huddle with <clears throat> with Teague and Co. And he's chatting with Teague, and you're sort of going, no. Stand back. No, no, you, you're not talking. You're not coaching the team. You're not. You're listening. You're watching. You're observing. You're compiling. The footage of Neil Baum sitting in the grandstands, you know, hand on chin, legs crossed, and just running the eye over how everything's going. You know the problem. Taking mental notes. This taking is, mental notes. This is exactly right. And this is the problem, Fab. Like, even in my very you know, scant experience at the, the VFL level. Fuck, mate, the footy side of stuff's sexy. It's exciting. It's intoxicating. You get in the team yep. room, get in the meeting room, get at the, the, the huddle, you're standing right there. It's it's the sexy part of the business. It's not terribly exciting. You, know, you can smell the dinker up. You, it's, well, you can. You get real close. Um, it's not terribly exciting, you know, pouring over spreadsheets or, you know, looking over quarterly reports or doing budget forecasts. That's boring. You know what's real fucking good? Going down and sitting in a team meeting, you know, standing with the coach during a match sim, all that stuff. That's exciting. It's sexy, but it's not always part of the job. Yeah. You know. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. 
Um, and then we go on to, to Kane Little, you mentioned there. Look, And for all the really, really outstanding work that Kane Little has done off the field, and, and we've, we have been at pains in the past to give him and uh, that commercial side of the business all the credit in the world. because He's killing it. Killing. killing it. What they've done you know, in terms of sponsors we've been over, in terms of commercial activities we've been across, the redevelopment is outstanding, You know, the growth in membership, etc. Phenomenal. This next decision, whether it's four weeks' time, five weeks' time, six weeks' time, for better or worse, Timbo, this defines Kane Little's tenure at the footy club. Without doubt. Without doubt, especially when he's had a very strong say in the off-field leadership of the football club and the structure and the culture and direction of what we're about, he's he's um, too strong to say, if you ask me. Well, well, as you sort of say, it, it was possibly misguided, um, but it certainly uh, created a bit of dissension within the football club. Um, I think it's created um, a stutter or a hiccup at the time, um, and, and I think it absolutely... It, it, it's grounds for question within the review itself and, and say there, there is no blurring of roles anymore and this is your tenure and this is where your responsibilities start and end. And look, at the end of the day, Kane Little has a football background, okay? And you sit there and you're going, I get that you may very well have meaningful insight into what's going on, but you're not the footy manager, you're not the coach, you're not the assistant coach and you're not the recruiting manager. You are the CEO where that hat and that hat alone. And I think that was one of the big things that came out of the Bomber-Thompson review. They ultimately said, you're doing too much. All we want you to do is coach. Timbo. And, and they tried to simplify it. And I think that's one of the things that has to come out of it is tenure ends here or, or role ends here. Leave it to others. Trust in the people you put in place and drive forward together. Timbo, that might be the best thing you've ever said on pod. I'm glad we were recording. Shit. Um, <laughs> and what you've just said hits the nail on the head. When you're the CEO, I mentioned before, you know, there's that all the other stuff is sexy. That's why people want to get involved in it. When you're the CEO, you're the boss. Like, ultimately, you are the end of the line. So, hand over control of the footy business to your footy boss, to your list manager, to your coach, but cross-examine every single thing they tell you. That's the role. To be, to be the guy... Who cross-examines? So Timbo, you come to me with a recruiting philosophy. You come to me. You want to recruit this free agent A. Well, my job as the CEO then is to go. Okay, what's the injury history? What's the term of the contract? What are the other options? What's our TPP situation? Walsh is coming out of contract. If we're going to pay him seven fifty, what does that leave us in terms of wiggle room there? Blah 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 blah. You're across everything top down, and you need to interrogate everything. Yep, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Interrogate, and, and, but but not not drive. And ultimately, Fab, sorry, just you need to, to, you need to empower those below yes, you to do on. their job. But then interrogate their performances. That's his job as a CEO. And that way, you can go. I'm relying on your feedback. I'm giving you my feedback. Ultimately, at the end of the day, if everything goes well, absolutely fantastic. But we're checking as many boxes of compliance. We're checking as many boxes as we possibly can to make sure that everyone's across the decision. This is why we're doing it. Everyone's a sound mind. This is why we're doing it for. And ultimately, Timbo, there's that level of accountability that then flows down. You're still the boss. Absolutely. And look, I think there's a famous quote. I'm pretty sure it's Steve Jobs who makes the comment, says, you know, I employ you know, the best people around, not so I can tell them what to do, but so that they can tell me what to do. 
and you sit there and you're going, if as the CEO, and, and you can still interrogate, but at the end of the day, you give the responsibility to over to others. You trust the people that have the genuine capability, and then they come back to you with the right outcomes. And then you just you, you you're the puppeteer that just makes sure the right things happen, and you got the best of breed across the board. Poor spot on. Can I, Sorry, can Fab, I, can what, I just, just quickly? What fine, was that just, great line? Sorry, what was the great line from the um, fast bender, the Steve Jobs movie, when Wars goes? Everyone tells me five times a day that you're a genius. Tell me what you do. You don't blah, blah, blah. And his idea was something like, I conduct the orchestra. Yeah. I don't play the instrument. Yeah. I don't write the music. Go, yeah. I conduct the orchestra. Yeah. You go, that's your job. You're not yeah. the coach. You're not the footy boss. You're not the list manager. Go, but you're in charge. And to conclude what Timbo was saying, yeah, empower those to do their job. But interrogate it to the point that if – the results that come back to you are not satisfactory. You need to act. You need to act. You're not there to go, oh, I like this bloke. He is trying really hard. Therefore, he's doing a good job. No one's saying he's not trying hard. No one's saying he's not busting a gut all hours carrying, carrying the burden. No one's saying that. Working hard and working well are two different things. Very much so. Exactly. Now, this is probably, we haven't raised this before, but the season's cooked and it's been, this whole finals flicker is a bit of bullshit if you ask me, but how does someone like a Nick Austin do his job properly if people like a Lockie O'Brien aren't getting games of football? We're going to talk about this in five seconds, Fab. Yeah, give me where it's a beautiful. You've jumped the gun ever so slightly because we're going to get to these guys. It's a very, very good segue. Um, but the last thing, I mean, we spoke about that idea. One of my favourite, you know, bringing uh, bringing up the best band of all time, The Killers. Um, one of my favourite stories. That's a joke. Um, so, so Brandon Flowers did an album in 2015, a solo album called The Desired Effect. It's actually quite a good album. Anyway, he was working with this guy. He's the producer. I think his name's Ariel. Is Ariel. Something or other. Um, Speedwagon. Ariel Speedwagon. Speedwagon. He changed it by deed poll. Um, I'm just going to look up this guy. Ariel Reichstadt is a record producer. Anyway, really demanding. Like really demanding, really fastidious, really detail-orientated. And Brandon Flowers was working with him for the first time. was butting heads a bit creatively. It was all a bit too much. We're doing heaps of takes. We're working heaps. We're just pouring over this song, all the little details. And at one point he was going to fire him. They don't have to be mates. He's a record producer. He's producing this album. And he was like, apparently took the, the day's work up home to his wife and he was telling his wife, geez, he's really heavy going. He's fucking, he's hard graft working with this guy. And his wife goes, oh yeah. She goes, that's no good. You know, what have you been doing? What did you do today? And they threw on whatever they worked on that day. And she goes, you can't fire him because he's amazing. And you go, this guy was a prick. He was so demanding. He was so, as I said, so focused. And so this is how we're doing it. We're doing it my way. And the end result justified all that bullshit because it was good. The work was good. He didn't need to be mates. He didn't need to be, oh, geez, I don't know, Fab. Geez, I don't know. Should we do something this way? It was, Fab, we need to do that take again. We need to do this. It was, and it goes, it was just, he's there to do a job. He's not there to be your mate. And if the work at the end of it comes out and you're going, fucking how good's that? Sometimes decisions need to be made, Sean, regardless of what, if it hurts someone's feelings, it hurts someone's like Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl recording all the drums on the Foo Fighters album because 
the drummer before Taylor was not up to it, mm. it takes. It goes, oh, he, he couldn't have I'm the album not, go, mate, go out like I'm that. not rolling the dice on our future, on your feelings, because yeah. you might be a bit put out. Going, if this is the difference between us getting to where we need to go, well, that's fine. You're going to have to go. Um, so we're going to get now into Fab's thing uh, in terms of um, it's a, a little bit of a different. The 121 Media Big, big question. question. It's a little bit different this week, the big question. We're going to go through a few different things. So development. You touched on it beautifully with regard to Lockie O'Brien and Nick Austin, what's he meant to do. It's sobering for us to admit, guys, teams have rocketed past us. I mentioned that off the top. And the reason they've rocketed past us is because we have too many players on our list currently that check one of these boxes. Some of them check two. We can't get the best out of them. We don't know where to play them. Or we've given up. So we're going to go through a few of these names as if to illustrate the point. What boxes do these players check? And that's why we are where we are. So Fab, first one off is obviously Paddy Dow. I think for far, far too long it was... We just can't. We can't get the best out of him. Yeah. We don't know how. We don't know how to do that. So, oh, I don't know. Just playing the twos, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. So, what were the three categories, Sean? Give can't, them to me. Can't get the best out of them. Yeah. Don't know where to play them. Or yeah. we've given up. Well, with Paddy Dow, it seemed to be couldn't. Yeah, we don't know how to get the best out of them, and it was trending towards giving up on the kid, but. I think the last month of football has shown that there's a player there. There's a player there that I don't know when it happened, but before his confidence got shot, we all saw it. It's not like, you know, he hadn't played good games of football for the club before. You know, I still, you know, it's in the memory of that game against Gold Coast. Now, the running goal, you know, Paddy Dow, it's not like he's just started to show in the last four weeks. So it was about us getting the best out of it. And he may have had a dip in his, his, um, more than anything, his, probably his mental development too, Timbo, because I think he lost a bit of confidence more than anything. But um, it's, it was incumbent on us to get the player that we know that is inside of Paddy Dow. Obviously, yeah. Timbo, the next one is Lockie O'Brien. Just They've given up. Well, it's, you know, we, as we, we were scathing from round one saying he made three errors in a minute of footy or 10 seconds of footy. And, um, and when, we di- when we dropped him, you've gone um, harsh but fair. You know, you're going, this is the way that you learn. You, know, we un- you, know, you understand what is allowed, well, what is allowed, what's tolerated and what's not. You go back, you learn again, you know, and then you come back in when you're ready to play. I refuse to believe that he's not doing the right things in training and that he hasn't done enough to be able to get one opportunity. And so the fact that he hasn't greeted us, I think is, I've always thought it was rubbish, but I look at it and go, clearly we've given up. Um, there was a lot of talk last year that Collingwood were interested in him, but he was still contracted. Now, if he's out of contract and he's basically got a deal on the table with Collingwood and he's gone... If that's the if that if, if that ultimately is the reason why we're not playing him because we're protecting our investment a little bit like um, uh, we did with Lockie Henderson and Geelong, if that's the outcome at the end of it, I can live with it. But as it stands right now, from a pure player development perspective, we've dropped the ball with this kid because he should have played, and we've clearly given up. Yeah, very good, Fabian Samo, can't get the best out of him. 
A bit of both. Well, it was, it's a bit of don't know where to play him either because we continually played him off a half back line. But he has been pushed up the ground, and oh. it is evident that we 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 cannot we can't unlock the footballer. I've got a I've got a a, a theory. I've got a, a philosophy, if you will, an opinion. Because we have been so shit for so long, we as a football club and a lot of our fans, we resent talent. We want, we want effort. We don't seem to value talent like we ought to. People talk about, with Wiedering, for instance, people talk about the way that Bolts apparently ruined Wiedering. You played Wiedering forward for a month and that ruined him for a year. We've played Samo out of position for two years. Yeah. Yep. People always hark back to, oh, remember when Wieders played forward and that just ruined him for a long time. What the hell have we done to Samo's development, to his confidence, to his value? He's emblematic of a quality of player we can't get the best out of. Because we don't know. We don't know, geez, this guy's really talented, but I don't know, I don't know. Well, he can't find the ball. Or, oh, geez, oh, shit, oh, he doesn't kick the ball far enough. Well, I don't fucking know. I think players like Semo are the ones who should be easy to develop because the skill side of it is harder to teach than the, the effort, the execution, the application side of it. So we, we clearly can't get the best out of him. Clearly. Timbo. Yep. Zach Williams is a, I think he's a, we don't know where to play him. We've picked him up on a big contract. Now, I have faith that this year's just been a really rough year for him. He had the, the you know, suspensions, which were tough. He's had a couple of little injury niggles, which are tough. But from, from the outside looking in, he looks injury prone and or unable to play the role that he was recruited for. That puts pressure on the whole recruiting framework of the football club. Because he was look, brought in to re- support Cripps and Walsh, and he's not. No, no, look, a- absolutely, and and I'm I'm as big a Zach Williams fan as there is going around. Um, I loved the game that he played against Collingwood in the preliminary final two years ago, but having one game versus proving it over a long period of time is is um, seriously questionable. Um, I think we're paying him like he's um, a game-breaking midfielder. Um, and, and part of that is you have to do it to be able to lever him out of the situation that he was in. But I think as it stands, you couldn't trade him to somebody else that was wanting to do whatever it is they want to do with Zach Williams um, because of the money that we've paid him. And, and not to say that I want to get rid of him, but I think at the end of the day, I think you're best to cut your losses and say, Zach, we will pinch hit you in the midfield every now and again, but you are a halfback flanker. You've, you've always shown over your career a propensity to get injured. So the last place that I want, you, want to be putting you is in where the heat is and the physicality is all the time and put you at risk. You will be a little bit more of a, for want of a better word, a bruise-free footballer. Um, but we're going to use your run. We're going to use your competitiveness. Um, we're going to use your foot skills. And if you don't like it, apologies for that. But on the basis of what we can see, this is where we best utilise you and that's where your magnet runs. Oh, it sits. That's the pre-season that you do. That's the way that you focus on your footy for the next five years, unless as part of your development, you do then get to transition into that role and you get get your way, so to speak. But you're a halfback flanker at the Carlton Football Club now. Fab, uh, we've gone from one of the biggest fans of Zach Williams to one of the biggest fans of Mitch McGovern. Can't get the best out of him? As my dad would say, your mate for Mitch McGovern, he is a shit. <laughs> Um, we can't get the best out of him, I think, purely and simply because he just can't 
stay on the park long enough. So this is the thing. Why then, my question to that is, you can't have a one-size-fits-all, and I'm, I'm not even strictly saying that's what the club does have, but you can't have a one-size-fits-all strength and conditioning program. No. If, no. This, if this guy can't train like Sam Walsh or Ed Kerno can, so be it. Mm-hmm. So be it, because he's not there. He's not. He's not paid seven fifty a year, Fab, to be breaking time trial records. Yeah, he's paid seven fifty a year and, and to play footy. Conversely, don't don't apply his training regime to Sam Walsh, who cannot clearly do something more. So it's like McGovern clearly can't do all the work required in a week and play. No, yeah. he's he's the Wayne Rooney. He he's he's a bit of a tubby bastard who just needs games. To get fit. So in pre-season, don't overload the bloke. Just have the balls out, match him. Whose balls out? And tell him. And <laughs> his own. Not, not. <laughs> Invert the jock strap. <laughs> and tell him he's not allowed to try Bust and take here. I still don't see an issue with it. But anyway. We've actually got something on that a bit later on. I'm going to spring it on you. So, yeah, no, I, look, I think... I don't think this, from a developmental point of view, is something that we're doing with Mitch. I just think when he's fit, he is – look, a lot of people hate on him, but he is a very good footballer. I reckon he's the most skillful kick at the club. Agreed. Best Agreed. kick at the club. Timbo, Zach Fisher? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's we're not playing him in the right position. I, I We've said it before. I get why we considered the need to play him um, – as a small forward, um, I think he's really creative. I'd prefer him to have a shot on his right foot a whole lot more than he did on the weekend when he would run that way um, and then trying to break back through into traffic and create something. Um, but I, I, at the same time, you saw other instances where he is further up the ground, he is on a wing, and I just think his agility and his evasion just really helps him in that position and he uses, usually uses the footy quite well. So I would prefer to see... Zach Fisher up the ground. And, and it might be half forward wing, um, but it's not small forward, deep, deep, you know, forward pocket. I think with Zach, you just need to give him time. I think he, he this is just all because he hasn't played. He hasn't had continuity of football this season. Yep. Uh, Tommy Williamson, Fab. Um, Do you want my theory on him? I was going to say, yeah, I reckon it's the first who can't get the best out of him, but also don't really know where to play him. But yeah, go for it. I've got an idea. So I'm, this is this is I'm channeling my inner Tim Davis here. So I need to place a caveat on this. I am not saying that Tom Williamson is capable of playing football like this guy. I'm not comparing them in terms of ability and output. I'm comparing them in terms of ability of size and you know, athleticism, dynamism, etc. Tom Williamson. I think at VFL level should be retrained or should have been retrained several weeks ago, not playing at halfback, not even necessarily playing on a wing. I want him like Nat Fife-like. I want him to get a little bit bigger and I want him to just be see ball, get ball, get it forward. Chuck him in the contest. All I heard was Sean thinks Tommy Williamson is Nat Fife. If we were on SEN, it would be... Bundit thinks Tom Williamson has superstar qualities. But I, I, I think that there is a place for him, not on a back flank. You know, like, playing in a back six for Carlton is a living nightmare. 
at the moment. It, it would be yeah. it would be hell it would be hellish to be trying to nail down and find your career. That's Fab just whistling around, his headphones moving. Trying to nail down a career in our back six, nightmarish. So yeah. I want him either on the wing, or you know what? Like I said, at VFL level, I reckon if he was to get delisted, he would be no shortage of suitors. He'd be picked up in an absolute heartbeat um, by a state league club. And I, I genuinely think they'd retrain him as a midfielder. Yep. And I we think saw him, we he saw would him dominate. At, we saw him at VFL, at, sorry, VFL, Victoria Park in a, was it a pre-season game against Collingwood? Or a reserves game against Collingwood? Whatever it was. It was pre-season, yeah, yep. yep. Um, no, I think, but it was a reserve, I reckon it was a reserves game. Oh, okay. Um, and he was everywhere. Do you know what I mean? He was, and he was, he was capable of doing what you were saying, Sean. And I'm so, not, like, again, I'm not saying he'd get there and it'd be transformative, but there are people out there, listen, we, we've always spoken about lack of imagination. Look at the guy's attributes, great size. Um, he, he's obviously, like, he's good overhead. He likes to take the game on. He likes to be proactive. He's not a bad kick of the football. I think he gets a bit panicked and rushed when he's hemmed in in defence and it can look a bit more hacky than it actually is. So release him further up the field where he's a tricky matchup. Because he's a good, he's a tricky size. Get a bit more, get a bit more strength on his frame, and just say, you know what, your job is, mate. Your job is to just get it and give it to someone else. Yeah, and he's that type of player that doesn't seem to be burdened by mistakes. Like you look at Samo, Samo when he makes an error, he seems burdened. Whereas Willow will just go back and make another mistake and not really care about it. Yeah. So. I don't think he has enough time to worry about it because the ball's coming straight back in. Uh, and then lastly, Timbo, answer on a postcard here. Will Setterfield. Oh, um, I just think it's a can't get the best out of him. <laughs> no, it's he, he's – for where he was at coming out of last season, I, I had really, really high hopes – for Will, and um, I, I know there'd been criticism that he'd fronted up at the start of 2019, um, not fit enough. 2009, yeah, 2019, he just turned up, he wasn't fit enough. He wasn't even close to AFL ready, and granted, he was coming off his knee and all that sort of stuff, but um, he's he, he made good on the promise last season. He improved, but this season, he's not only gone backwards, but he just looks a shell of the player um, that we brought into the club. And, and I think, I genuinely think he's at the stage where if you're making the commitment into Dow, you, 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 you're continuing the investment into Matt Kennedy, um, I think you say to Will Setterfield, um, we're going to dangle you to the rest of the competition and hope that everybody sees the talent of the former you know, top five draft pick that you were and hopefully somebody gives us something and you get to continue your AFL career because at the moment I just don't see where he fits within our group. Um, and I'd sooner be putting effort in somewhere else. And unless he's one of those guys that just doesn't see the like, he's lost the faith in in Teague him, himself as well, and the relationship isn't there. Unless there's some deep reason as to why it's not working, I, I think you just you, you move on from the um, the relationship. You know, one thing that can save a lot of these players, guys, themselves, change. Yes. Change can come to the rescue of a few of them. Changes, come on. Um, so that's a damning overview in the end. Uh, we're going to introduce a new award. I'm going to spring this on these two idiots now so they haven't had any time to think about it. This potentially might become a weekly thing. We'll, we'll see how it goes. 
late last year, I had the pleasure, some would say the displeasure, of watching a movie with Fabian and Kelly one night. One of the greats. One of the greats. La Bamba, starring Lou Diamond Phillips. And who was the character, Fabian, that really caught your, your, my eye and your eye? Took, stole our hearts in a lot of ways. Bob. Bob. His brother. He's, Bob well, he's, Dam. He's half, half-ish brother. <laughs> he's half-brother. <laughs> who, like, this performance was Heath Ledger as the Joker-like. He wow. cut He cut in and out of the movie. He was only in it sporadically, but every time he wasn't on the screen, you were like, where's Bob? <laughs> need more of him. We need more Bob. We need to engineer a scene with Bob. So anyway, he, he flashed through the film. He was, he was like a razor blade. And the guy that played him, S.I. Morales, I think he's dead, I don't know. But we're going to have the S.I. Morales Memorial Buster Nut. We're going to have the S.I. Morales Memorial Buster Nut Most Heart Award. So this will go each and every week to the player who wasn't necessarily the best player on the field, but was fucking giving it their everything. And every time they were involved, something was happening. It wasn't all good, but it was mesmerising. So who wins this week's, the first ever awarding of the S.I. Morales Memorial Buster Nut? I reckon it's, <laughs> I reckon it's probably Jack Silvani. I was going to say, if we were forced to give votes yesterday, um, Jack did uh, Buster Nut and, uh, yeah, I, I thought Jack's, Jack, Jack brought effort. Yesterday and and wasn't it wasn't like he was lacking execution. He just he had no one else go along with him. I thought he, yeah, he'd, he'd be he'd be a good candidate for the what do we call it? Is it the Buster Nut Award? The SI Morales Memorial Buster Nut Most Heart Award. <laughs> that's, that's very wordy. That's why it's got its place in our hearts now. I, I think the best thing about Jack is I was watching. If um, you get a soundbite up of this, something Bob says in the movie, this I, will. Take I don't want to watch the movie again to get a soundbite. Oh. I'll give you a soundbite. <laughs> um, you know the good thing about Jack is he's got some hard bark on him. Like he's just there's just something about him. Just, he's just got a bit of edge to him. He's just he's a he's just got a bit more chutzpah, as uh, Terry would like us to say about him, which I like. Um, do we actually want to go through chicken salads or chicken shits? Can we be bothered? I don't. Th- I don't think there's any I, chicken salads. I, I don't think there's any reason to be backing over it, mate. I got I two. Really don't. I got two chicken salads. The first one was that the match eventually ended. <laughs> and the second one was, after a bit of a rough start, um, Cripps' scoreboard impact. Yeah, I, look, yeah, Cri- yeah. it wasn't vintage Cripps, but you can't say Cripps had a bad game. We, we want to kind of... The, the, the chicken shits, uh, we, we've kind of, I think, spoken about them. The notes I had were defensive mechanisms um, comprising of front-half pressure, our defensive tra- or ability to stop transition in defence and the exposing of our back six. I mean, you can't have Larky kick seven, Taron Thomas kick four, and Jaden Stevenson kick three. That's an obscene spread of guys just dining out on you. Um, that was just absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, general organisation around the ground that goes for everything, stoppage structure in particular, was just, again, junior. Wouldn't even cut it in the NAB league. Absolutely disgusting. Um and belief, which we've sort of backed over a few times, just a degree of we're a couple of points up at half time without having played well, and then just get completely blown away. Rather than the attitude being, which you don't want it to be, you don't want to be in this position, but rather than the attitude being, fucking hell, guys, these guys are shit. Gone, we haven't played fucking well at all. Yeah. Go, we haven't played well at all, and we're probably a couple of goals worse off than we should be. 
Now, let's go out. Let's start the quarter well. Let's get on top of them, kill them early. But we didn't. It looked like we were just waiting for the train to run over us. Yep. There was a resignation from a very, very long way out, and there just shouldn't have been. Um, one thing that I did pick up, and I made a note while we were watching it, and it's completely left of centre. Um, can we as a collective have a quick look at, not a quick look, but a, a look at Tom DeConning over the, the next five weeks and the way that he rucks? Because he wears shin pads on both shins. And I'm just really interested to see with his ruck craft, uh, if he, he's able to jump off alternate legs, is he hitting the ball with alternate hands as well? Because I, I, I just it's it's just an out there question just to be able to say because if he can do that he's he's got even more flexibility and growth as a ruckman um, so just as a positive coming out of it I just really want to see what he's able to do with his craft and whether he is genuinely ambidextrous because most guys only jump off one leg I think if he's wearing shin pads on both he can do it off either leg which maybe, I'm just interested by well, so maybe he's just protecting both of his legs because he doesn't know which one of his legs, as Fab can well attest to, you don't want to get kneed in the thigh at a ruck contest <laughs> or scraped or, in the or, shin. Or the hip. Or the hip. You don't want to hit that. So maybe his attitude is, I don't know where this gangly seven-foot man's going to knee me or scrape <laughs> down me, so I'll just cover both. I think, Timbo, you've set yourself some homework. Mate. Yeah, yeah no, fair enough. No, it was just it was one of those things. I, and and for what it's worth, I just I hark back. We had a, we had a session once. That, uh, it was John Barnes, actually at uh, my local footy club, and he talked about Lawrence Angwin. And oh. it was when Angwin had done a pre-season at Essendon, and he actually said they put, got the big tackle bag out, and they said he was so athletic, he actually jumped over the tackle bag at one point. But when he was doing it, um, he would jump off either leg. And, and Barnes said then that it was that, that that's actually a real rarity in Ruckman. You know, Ruckman are very, you know, stayed in their ways. You, you know, that they, they might come at different angles, but they usually jump off. Only, only the the one foot, um, and he was quite taken by the fact that Angwin had this. I mean, Angwin had a whole lot of things going on as well. But um, very light but fingers, he, Timbo, <laughs> a kleptomaniac. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, he, um, uh, yeah, no, it was one thing that he said was really he, he found did, really um, important with him, and we may just have something similar with the Conning, minus the. Um, uh, the psychopathic nature. <laughs> Minus the breaking and injury. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Who was it? Obviously, Angwin went to Adelaide and he came to us after being delisted. Did Lawrence Angwin play a pretty impressive game against Adelaide? Maybe his I first game? I don't especially remember. Um, but, um, oh, I mean, I do remember when he, did he pop he popped someone's shoulder. I don't know if it was Fev or it was. Lance Whitnell, but he Lance very... Whitnell, uh, Fev popped Lance Whitnell's shoulder one day. Is that what it... Yeah, well, that might be the game that I'm thinking of then. But um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I still say he's one of the best young footballers I've ever seen and he's just he's just a horrific story um, of um, wasted talent. Absolutely. It's time for... You've got mail. All right. So, Millsy, Millsy G, 78. Hear me out. There are some bullet points here. Question and answer, boys, quickly. Is Lloyd's role untenable? As I've always said, if you are having to run a review of your football department, then I think it stands to reason that at some point your football manager isn't doing his job right. So, therefore, it has to be. He may survive it, but um, but I think if there's a question being asked, you pounds to peanuts, he's not done his job, and therefore it's probably not tenable. Yep. 
Um, he's got a couple here with Teague. If Teague's message is not getting through to the players, he needs to go. If Teague's message is not getting through to his assistants, then they need to go. If um, Everybody needs to go, Sean. It's like a um, end-of-season stock-take sale. Uh, it's it. <laughs> but, 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 but as you say, if Teague can't get the message through to his assistant coaches... That's like an coaches, Elmer Fudd, just on the, on the line then. Yeah, but, but who's to say that he can he can get the message through to the next batch coming through? Well, that's true. That's exactly right. Um, Communication says, is two-way. Uh, is the last say on selection ultimately with David Teague? If so, then he needs to go. Um, and then obviously the other one is, uh, he mentions here is Andrew Russell. Needs to earn, or he needs to go as well. Well, very possibly, but we can at least say we once said that his future was intrinsically tied to Charlie Curnow. Well, if Charlie's played two games and gotten through, we have to at least celebrate that because the alternative, you know, we've been living with the alternative for two years now. If he's actually playing football, we've got to say that's at least steps forward. Agreed. Um, Fabian, Adam King's got in touch. Will the club remain silent this week in the wake of yesterday's debacle? Or will we trot out the, quote, waiting on the results of the review line? I think we've already done that. Um, he then says, I'm yeah. not really looking forward to the Saints this week. Well, I'm not really looking for the Saints at all. They smash us every single year. I'm expecting an absolute smacking this week. And that's just not me being pissed off and pessimistic. It's, they're just one of those teams that match up well against us and we just can't. We just can't play well against them. As you say, North, St Kilda, GWS are three teams that we've typically battled against. We have, we have beaten them and Hawthorne. Um, we seem to have maybe turned the tide against Hawthorne, but it's still hard-in-mouth stuff. But um, I, I'm just I, – I obviously, I like a bet on sport. I'm, I cannot believe I didn't back North yesterday. Um, cannot believe it. You know, on, for, 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 knowing, for knowing everything that we knew and the fact that Harry Mackay wasn't there, we were absolutely ripe for the picking. And uh, to not have been on board, I mean, I would have happily invested my 30 bucks, whatever the number was, and lose if it meant the Blues had a win. But, uh, yeah, that was an opportunity lost for sure. John S. has got in touch with us, a good listener of the pod. Okay, so assume that the coach now is in the spotlight. Who is out there to be interviewed apart from Clarkson, who is apparently staying at Hawthorne? He's obviously been pretty strong on that, Clarko. I'm hoping that no one says Ross Lyon. Brad Scott. Ross Lyon. <laughs> Ross Lyon. Brad Scott, any chance to present? Oh, I'm not really keen on no. Brad Scott. Um, no. I'd, I'd, I'd listen to him. I've got, um, I've I mean, got a the, name. the list that I wrote, I wrote Lyon, Kingsley, Voss, Scott. You've just stolen my name. Adam Kingsley, Timbo. Now, listeners of the pod, good listeners of the pod, will know that you and Kingers are fast friends. Maybe even Correct. going steady. But <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously. You're coming Tim from. Tim probably took that photo of Timbo in the buddy's buddy. He was in a matching no, no, set. No. He was there to support Timbo. Um, no, that was there. But I, I think you're you're obviously emotionally connected uh, with Kingers Timbo, and for certain people at the football club, it would be incredibly funny if Kingers did end up at Carlton and then started doing regular interviews with us. Um, <laughs> I, I, I hazard a guess if we've been blocked by the Carlton Football Club, the chances of him having a regular spot with us is slim. Wouldn't you just say I'm doing it? You just have to, you just have to record his phone conversations, Timbo. We'll bug, this, we'll bug your car. This is true. So what, is true. What, what is it about Kingers that um, you think would obviously fit us, help us out, get us heading in the right direction? Oh, I, think Adam, I think Adam has always been really strong tactically. 
Um, I think um, the people that are close to Adam he has incredibly good relationships with. I think most people that have been around Adam speak very, very highly of both his footy acumen but then his ability to be able to, you know, his empathy for people and his relationships with people. I think he's a guy that can get the best out of people. He's very smart and I think he's, he's a natural teacher and coach. Um, and I think he's, he's very big picture. He understands what's to be gained and he understands um, the little steps and the little changes and tweaks that are needed to be able to push a young player or a player, for, for that matter, towards where they need to go within a system, game plan, style and all that sort of stuff. And I just think, I think he's a pure practical coach. Um, he's clearly had very good success at, um, at Richmond. He's had time under Hardwick. He's also had time under Damien Hardwick, he's seen, oh, sorry, under Ross Lyon, and obviously he's had a, been a premiership coach under um, under Mark Williams, um, but also was mentored by um, Alistair Clarkson in his time at Port Adelaide, and also, and I'm going to forget his name, the former coach at Adelaide um, who lost his life a few years ago. Phil Walsh. Phil Walsh. Walsh. Um, he's always spoken really, really highly of him and said he had a lot of time for him as well. So he, he's been very, very fortunate to have been mentored by a lot of very good coaches. And I think he is um, – I, I just think his star's on the rise. I think people are realising he's very good at what he does. And I think he's going to be a great coach for whichever club pulls the trigger. So if we're doing the review and we're looking to replace, he's a bloke we need to be talking to. And the only question will be, does somebody beat us to the punch? What are you doing, Fab? I'm trying to remind Timbo he's completed the Level 4 coaching course as well. Correct, the uh, AFL Level 4 coaching course, and he's been one of the uh, star um, graduates. Don't you just buy a box of, like, cereal and it's that Level 4 certificate's in there? No, you don't. Uh, George Angelis with this one. With Mark Leduduche going into witness protection and say is doing the best to my Mac since Marcel Marceau, when is Kane Little going to front the masses? He's been at the forefront of this shit show and needs to be held to account for the years of spin and false promises. Now, George, you've been big on Twitter today. I've been observing some of your correspondence with regard to this. I think you are very hard on Kane Little's off-field stuff. We covered him earlier in the show and and gave credit where credit was due whilst obviously recognising he can't be um, all things to all people in the football club. He needs to be prepared to take a step back. But, Fab, the point is well made. We need leadership at this point in time more than perhaps ever in Little's tenure, and that shouldn't fall on David Teague's weekly press conference. Brad Absolutely. Lloyd, Mark LeJudice, Luke Sayers, It's on LeJudice. Now, now, he should go on, he should go on Waitley. Kane Little should what, go on Waitley. Someone should go on one of these very high-profile platforms. I'll give, I'll give Luke Sayers a pass whilst he's leading the review side of it. He is not the president yet. So this is incumbent on, on Mark LeJudice and Kane Little to, to get out and own it and own it. And I don't want to hear any of this bullshit green shoots and, and learnings and all these other, you know, it words. Get out there and say what we witnessed was unacceptable and own it. Sometimes statements behind closed doors are great and – you know, whether it's laying down the law, whether that's too firm or too old school or whatever. But if you go out in public, that actually adds a, la- a layer of accountability, doesn't it, Timbo? If you actually front the press and you front your members and it's all there in ones and zeros, 
you know, on a recorder or on a video or a whatever, you're actually then held to account for saying these are the standards, this is what we're doing, we're not accepting A, B and C. I think it's just authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's what it comes back at, um, you know, back to, you know, what do you stand for? What are you? What are you going to be? Um, and every time you've got a chance to be able to talk about it, you, um, um, you know, it, it's the same message and you're strong and you're firm and everybody knows the direction that you're going as a club. And I, I just think we're at sixes and sevens across the board. Uh, Jim Bob, Juddernaut, great man. Uh, the lack of emotion and anger from the group is really off-putting. We're better than this, or so we thought. This has been a horror season. Good teams have players come in and play roles in a structure. It becomes less about who, but the role itself. What's our system? Like, very, very good point. Very well made. That you, yep. you, you watch the guys walk off the field yesterday shell-shocked. Um, and, it, and it was actually emblematic, I thought, Fab, of the wider football club fan base, us, everyone... It was actually a perfect mirror image of like just not anger, not frustration, soulless, just actually acceptance. Just walking yeah. off with just a you know a really sad. This is what we are. Yeah, which is no good. Um, Captain Jack Sparrow, <laughs> where do you think is our greatest problem? Is it coaching players, both, or is it a back office issue? I honestly think our biggest problem is probably the footy boss role. Because that sets the tone for everything else. Yeah. Well, well I, I think, you know, when you listen to Teague at halftime and he talked about what – he was able to at least diagnose what was happening. Um, and now that's not to say – I mean, I think we could diagnose what was happening as well. <laughs> I was going to say, Tim, but and, it's and, pretty and, obvious. And, and I don't think we can put our hand up and say we should be coaching the team. Um, so give him credit that he actually worked out what needed to happen. It's then do you have the capability of being able to arrest it and change it? Um, and I think that's where the question is out at the moment. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting. That's absolutely for sure. But I would say, to me, it's the it's the footy manager. You know, in, in the wider scheme of things, yes, we have an issue with coaching, but I think the, the, the fabric of the team, I think we're a bit splintered. Um, and we need somebody to pull that all together, and that'll be a good footy manager, and it may not be the bloke that's there. Have you ever asked uh, Kingers of his impressions of uh, Barmy? No, no, but it's interesting that you well, ask that. maybe then can you prioritise that instead of watching what Tom DeConning's, what footy's jumping off? Fair enough. Because um, you'll have a few days before we play next, so you can you can ask Kingers about Barmy, and you don't. we don't want to betray confidence and have Kingers feel like we're running an agenda or, or the like, but it, it would just be interesting to hear his perspective on a very much respected footy boss, what's he do, how effective is he, you know, in the day-to-day stuff, blah, 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 blah. That'd, that'd be yep. an interesting thing to hear. Um, Christian Chapcoon has got in touch, another very good listener of the pod. Like some others that I know, has Lockie O'Brien been blocked by Carlton? <laughs> Good call. I certainly feel that way. He just doesn't know what time the games are and nah, stuff because he's not getting the alerts. No, nah, they just keep they've, they've blocked him from the um the actual app. They've blocked <laughs> his phone number. He's not getting it. And... He doesn't know now that the entrance, the player entrance, has moved down at gate three of the hero stand. The hero stand, fans. <laughs> you better not. Be yeah. He's looking for the Elliot stand. Yeah. But he, he, doesn't, he just yes. doesn't know where I it is. I said it was the Elliot stand. I think it's the one that's been knocked down. Um. Go for one more, maybe. Pete Rogers. On All-Australian Night, when we have three players named 
but finish in the bottom five, will it finally click for David that he and his assistants might be the problem? Yes. Yes. There might be a bit of a, oh, shit, how's, how's that happen? It's it's the individual brilliance um, line again, isn't it? It's, um, Timbo's it's, on the move. It's, it's too much of it's the fantasy and imagination. Well, it's exactly right. I mean, <laughs> not, not every single bloke on your list is going to be an All-Australian. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not um, capturing the best out of the ones that you've got on, on more broadly than the guys that are absolute guns, um, you've probably got issues. Uh, Sam Eliano will finish on him because this is a good email, a good uh, message, I'm sorry. Fabian, how many of our players are driven by success? How many cannot stand to lose? How many are playing out there to win premierships? I would say maybe Walsh and Wieders. The others are either, either driven by money or have no drive at all. Um, I would, I wouldn't say that they're solely driven by money, but that that passion, that drive, I think it's lacking from a lot of footballers of this generation. And it's, I, I don't think it's got to do with money. I just think that there's so many other opportunities and things in their lives that footy isn't the be all and end all, as it once was with a lot of other players, but you see it in Sam. Sam Walsh just busts a gut every single week, and you can tell oh. that, <laughs> that losing is um, four to five times a week. He's, um, yeah, it, it, it gets to him. And, and I reckon Weeders has shown it a couple of times too, where he's getting a bit a bit shitty as well. So um, there's an opportunity for Weeders to really take control. Hmm. I reckon Cripper. I reckon Cripper. He wants to – you can tell it affects him too. But football too has changed so, so seismically. Like it really has. It's changed so seismically since we were last a genuine powerhouse because it is now a business. These are now employees. This is just now a job. You know, we're, we're kind of living in this old days and comparing these guys to, to, to a Steve Silvani type who grew up picking players' fucking socks off the ground in the club rooms and couldn't wait to get out and play a game and – and, all, and, you know, hard-nosed pricks like a fucking Webby Elliott or Collins or Wes Lofts are these guys who were just so uncompromising running the show and made absolutely made heaps of mistakes but were unrepentant in their pursuit of success. So all that kind of stuff has changed where the guys don't ever, you know, they don't... This is their job. Whether they win, lose or draw, they don't have to go to work, you know, at CUB on Monday... You know, there's, there's nothing else to it. Style. Yeah, there's nothing else to it. So, very good. That's the mailbox wrapped up for us now. Um, also, a shout out to Sam. Um, his kid does some uh, pretty good, like graphic design work as well. Um, keep up, keep up the good work. I have seen that. It is very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Do we know what's what's the kid's name? I've drawn a blank on his name. Uh, I've drawn a blank on his name too at the moment. But um, um, bear with me. I'll find it maybe. But it is. Uh, now that I promise to find it, I kind of do have to find it, don't I? Timbo's already uh, Timbo's checked focused out. On, on, he's checked out. He's focused on the swimming. No, no, no. I'm uh, I'm actually just putting a bet on. <laughs> oh. Another, another Laura Manadou. Another Laura Ethan, Manadou type Ethan, uh, No, 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 unfortunately. But, um, yeah, because I think they're in too. Uh, I don't know what they're suing because I didn't think I was betting on this race, but it says that it's uh, it started. But anyway, it's Ethan, I digress. By the way, 
What's that, sorry? Ethan is Sam's son who does some really nice graphic design work. He's very good yes, with... Yes, um, it is too. He's very good with, like, <laughs> textures is, yeah. is what I like about his work. Um, now, Keep up the good work, son. Fabian. Most definitely. Do we want hey, to... can I have a quick shout-out? Oh, fucking yeah, sure. Just on the back of the swimming today, <laughs> and you posting the photo, a guy I used to swim against who is a Carlton supporter and must obviously be a listener, uh, a fellow by the name of Peter Steinman. Don't tell me Re- Peter is the other man in the photo. No, no, he's oh. not. His name's Simon Coombs. Oh. Um, but um, the comment made in a, uh, a tweet between Peter and I is he said, why on earth didn't we connect over the, the Carlton Footy Club in the days in the marshalling area at the Kerrang Open, which was a, uh, a, a regular country swim meet that we used to swim against, uh, swim in and against a lot. So uh, brought back some great memories. So a shout-out to Pete. Hey, and uh, only fantastic that, that, uh, that he's uh, a passionate Carlton supporter. If only no that- shout-out to Coombsy. Uh, Coombsy's a Swan supporter, so... Oh, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yourself. If only that Kerrang pool could talk, That Kerrang pool could talk. Yeah, Coombsy went to Atlanta as a 200-metre individual medley swimmer. I thought you were going to say, just as a tourist. No, no, no. Broken Australian, Australian record. Coombsy was at the um, Atlanta Games as a spectator. Yeah. No, no, no. He, uh, <laughs> he, he competed and... Uh, How'd he go? Uh, he didn't make a final, but oh. uh, but in those, that was in the days when you'd have heats in the morning, finals at night. So um, and it is hard to swim fast in the morning. Um, and some, for some, well, some people some. do it better than others. But if he had been in the days where he would have been able to be one of sixteen going through to a semi-final, I think it would have suited him better. He swam better at night, and that just. But in 1996, that was not the way that they did it, and uh, he, uh, yeah, didn't make a final. But had a great time. <laughs> yeah, a great time. I hear the, through the village. I hear the Olympic it Village. Did. The Olympic Village can be an extremely fun place. <laughs> Almost oh, makes you shit. want to pick the easiest Olympic discipline, whatever that might be. What's an Olympic discipline that no one in Australia competes in? Just make sure how do I fucking qualify for this event? Yeah, how do I get in? <laughs> three on three basketball. Have you seen this three on three I, basketball? I have. It's I one of the a three, it's, a three it's, pointers worth two, it's, and a two pointers worth one. One of the worst things I've ever seen. I watched it's, it. It's me, Pete, and Nathan could be going to the next Olympics. I watched it for. <laughs> oh, jeez, I don't know if you'd want to bet. I'm not sure what's Pete's role on that team. He's not scoring. He's not defending. I'm not sure. He's talking. He's talking fantasy to the opposition. He's talking to the opposition. He's actually there as a as a decoy. Decoy. Um, Fab, do we want to do we want to talk about the lead story? Do we want to talk about that? It's up to you, mate. We want to. Do we want to talk about the blue listing? Is there an apology? Is, apo- is it an apology to be had? That's my question. From me? Yeah. No. No. So, okay. I, I, I just I genuinely thought that the language crossed a line, but that's just can me I, personally. Okay. Can I clarify? So the language was used, and people like Fab, you did this, and someone else did this. So the word cunt. People were responding. <laughs> Sorry, Sophie. People were people were so responding. Just swerved off the road. People were responding, like censoring themselves, and it was like it's, it's a word, guys. You did it, Fab, and I was like, just type. It's a word, like. So the I context. Ran of, I ran out of uh, characters. Oh, there you go. That excuses it then. So the context of it was, and look, I understand how people can read it whichever way they want, but I'm here to tell you that the context was much in the same way I might call Fab a lazy cunt, or I might go, yep. God, you're a dumb cunt. Or yep. you were playing basketball and you're like, geez, you're a shit cunt. 
or the, whatever. The, the, it, the context it, 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 was. I look, I agree. I agree, one hundred and ten percent, Sean. But I just think it's it's a word that um, has yet to be embraced by everybody. It's been embraced by a lot of people. Like Eddie Maguire it said it to has. Eddie it Maguire. Eddie Maguire said it to Kane Corns on air. Yep. And he goes, he an, so. old, an old cunt like you. And you go, the context of it is, it's. I, I could have said in the same way, bloke, and that was the same meaning. Sack the bloke tonight. Yeah. Yep. And, no, it's look, a, people, and it's the same people thing. People will get bogged down. Now, some people will get offended by it. That's fine by them. And some people, like myself, don't care either way. But don't get bogged down in the language. And the tweet, it's the message of the tweet not the language, and the message of the tweet stands, and what people are going to now turn it into is the language. It's the same way as dog shit. Say yeah, what you yeah. want, that performance was not good enough. Don't get bogged down in us using the term dog shit to describe a player's performance. Analyse the player's performance. If you had your time again, Sean, would you have changed the word that you used? Timbo, uh, you know the answer to this. Well, no, because I've just... He's not one to back no, but, away from a fight, but I'm... I'm no, just, because I've just explained... No, be. no, no, no. Because, look, as I've just explained, going, people... Um, and some people wouldn't be aware of it, but the word is used really super informally now by a lot of people. It is. It just is. And if they don't yep. think it is, then obviously they don't talk to me when he uses it, but it absolutely is. Uh, as somebody said, we joked, I joked with someone and I said, oh, it's experiencing a bit of a renaissance because the person that message Taylor Adams used the word as well and uh, yeah. we were joking about it and this guy go I said oh it's having a renaissance he goes not in country Victoria where I'm from yeah as yeah. in no it's always people always use it anyway I think what, what we want to do is I want to tell a bit of a story that I don't believe and fab we've spoken about this in the past and I'm sure you'll agree I don't think we've spoken about this Tim you might not know this story but I'm of the opinion that we, we weren't blocked, and they can block us. I don't give a shit. They want to block us. They can do whatever they want. I'm, I'm literally I'm not going to lose a wink of sleep about it. Um, it's not about a tweet, and it's not about a word in a tweet. I think they would have been happy to block us a long, long, long time ago. They just needed the reason to do it. And I think that the reason to do it is a couple of fold. It's twofold from where I'm sitting. Now, I'll just pull the curtain back on what we do on the show here for anyone who listens to us regularly and anyone who engages with us on Twitter regularly. Like, we're blown away. Like, we are genuinely blown away that so many people engage with us and and listen every week. And our numbers recently have have just been humbling. They've been through the roof. Um, And that, that really means an awful lot to us. I don't tell Fab and Tim the numbers because they don't need to know them and it affects Fab's performance. (laughs) But we'll pull the curtain back here for a moment. A lot of what happens on this show, and by an extension of that, a lot of what happens online, it's all put on like it's for fun. We play with a dynamic where I play the bad I'm the heel. I've got the black hat on. I'm the gruff, terse, killjoy. And it's not to say that I'm none of those things in real life, but on the show and online, it's dialed up. Because that's the way that we try to make the show fun and we have a bit of banter and we, we bounce back and forth. We've all got to have a different role. So my role is to be the black hat. Now, we appear to have ruffled some feathers down at Icon Park. Maybe it's because we run a no-bullshit agenda. Maybe it's because, and I hope our listeners appreciate we do that, we balance praise with more serious and justified criticism, which we always explain. We don't just come out and say, David Teague needs to be sacked tomorrow. 
we then have a 15-minute discussion about why we think that's the case. But I've thought for a while now, and Fab, you can weigh in on this because you're probably a little bit closer to this than Timbo. I've thought for a while now from certain sections within the Carlton community, some of whom work at Carlton, some of whom have a link to Carlton through other different professional endeavours, I've always thought and I've suspected for a little while that it's a little bit to do with me personally. You have. You have suspected that for a while. So, and I can't, I can't tell you that you're wrong and I can't tell you, I can't confirm that specifically is that case, but you've had a strong feeling for a while now that it's against you personally. So I worked at the club many, many years ago doing nothing, you know, merchant membership and the like and met some really nice people down there um, and during my time at the club made no secret of a desire to work in the club's media department. It's what I was studying. It's what I was passionate about. Um, when it became apparent that that opportunity wasn't going to be there, I applied for a few different jobs and didn't get them, and that was totally fine because I was not qualified or experienced to get them. No issues on my end. It felt as though a narrative was developed by someone who was there, who has since been passed on and passed down to people who have never met me, who have never spoken to me, literally never met me, never spoken to me, that proffer and sustain and then spread like a pretty borderline slanderous opinion of me. And it, occasionally it comes out. Occasionally it comes back. So you got an instant instance uh, last year, and this is nothing against Nick Wishart, who does an amazing job with the cheer squad, um, but he put a tweet to us at one stage last year saying that um, people at the club, oh, this is why people at the club think you're a cockhead. And I went, oh, yeah, okay, so who's that going to be? And he was tight-lipped. That's his prerogative. It's obviously been fed to him by someone at the club. Um, that's all good. Last night, we had an account, which is obviously a burner account, which was set up specifically for the purpose of replying to that initial thread. Again, tacking on this message and selling this message that this is why you didn't get a job at the club. So they're selling this thing that they weren't a part of. They weren't in any discussions about it. They weren't involved in any interview about it. They never saw me, never spoke to me, never worked with me. But they sell this message and that spreads out to other people who are now peripherally in the media or in the club or have links to people at the club. And it all just spreads from there. And that creates this weird sense of angst. And look, due to what I do at the Box Hill Hawks, which I absolutely love to death, you guys know how much I love it and how much Hawks. How much yep. satisfaction I get out of it and, and why I do it. And I volunteer my time down there and I do that because I love the club and I love the people and, and the players and whatnot. But what happens is you get exposed to the viper's nest that is the sports media landscape. A lot of ego, a lot of insecurity, a lot of paranoia, a lot of people fiercely protective of their own patch. I got 10 cents worth of free advice to these people. The worst thing you can ever do is think that your employer is perfect, does everything right, everyone you work with is the best, you're not doing anything wrong. Take a step back and objectively look at where we are, how we perform, and in your heart of hearts, you'll concede we are shit. We are a shit football club. You can love the club as much as we do, and make no fucking mistake, we love the club as much as anybody who listens to us and works at that joint. But objectively look back at it. Don't get angry at us, because we have an opinion that is shared by thousands. 
if you reckon yesterday's performance and what this club has dished up for years now is just acceptable and everyone's going to be fine, everyone's going to sign up again or buy more shop uh, merch at the shop, if you seriously think that everything's fine and nothing's going to change, you need to take a step back and you need to look at the bigger picture and you need to accept that the joint is a mess. It's a shambles. And I guess the thing is, the fact that there is a review underway, how far-reaching it is, what the resolutions are, and the op- there is an opportunity to change, whether the opportunity will be taken, whether the um, the impact will be measurable at all, who knows, but, yeah. And that's a look, just in, just in closing. And, 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 Sean, for what it's worth, we love you, and <laughs> we, we know that you can be caustic. Speak for yourself. Caustic and aggressive and uh, and you, you certainly don't back down from a fight. You're stubborn, um, and you're a bit of a cunt, to be honest. But I, you're our you're our cunt. Have, and we love you. have you ever have you ever seen the gentleman when he goes? He calls this guy calls another guy. He, goes, he calls him a um, a black cunt, and he goes, "You can't say that. That's racist." And he goes, "No, he's not saying that black people are cunts. He's saying you're a cunt." <laughs> and he goes, "It's a great He goes, "Which you are." <laughs> um, but what look what you learn very quickly look as I said earlier with the box hill stuff you know I get so much satisfaction you know um, out of doing what I get to do down there and I really hope that the work I do you know reflects how much I enjoy doing it and maybe it's a little thing maybe it's nothing maybe I'm reading too much into it maybe certain people who used to do the same thing in the same space don't like that it's a bit good maybe that ruffles a few feathers. Maybe that creates this weird, unresolved, unrequited friction that exists in this sports media landscape. Very only, possibly only there's they fear could, associated to only Sean. Could answer that question. If, if you're doing the job for a club that you have no affinity for, well, and I'm sure you have some affinity for because you, you're obviously putting time in there, but theoretically, if somebody at Carlton saw what you were doing and said, why can't we get somebody like that here? And the response was, well, it's funny you say that. He is a devout Carlton supporter. Um, there would be an opportunity. And, and and with that opportunity comes potentially having somebody else to make way. So, you know, people are always going to defend their position. So, you know, we all get that. And it's not about, like I said, I'm not gunning for any role at the Carlton Football Club. That was so long ago. That, that ship has long since sailed and... I'm totally fine with that because you have different experiences as you boys would both be well aware working in different industries and different workplaces and you come to the realisation sometimes that, um, geez, maybe I wouldn't have actually liked that as much as I thought I would or maybe it wouldn't have been the be-all or maybe, you know, everyone's got this incredible relationship with working in the sports industry and building up to be something that it's probably and realistically is not Um, and whilst you're often fortunate to meet a lot of good people, on occasions like this, it feels or it seems as though um, you don't meet a lot of good people who then go and talk shit about you. So that just seems to be my reading of the situation. Like I said, uh, we don't give a shit if the club want to block us, doesn't bother us one iota, and it won't change how we approach the show or anything like that. Um, I think it was just sort of a funny situation where you had to laugh, and as I said to Fab last night, I think it's something they've been waiting to pull the trigger on for a while. We just gave them an excuse to last night, and they did it. So... uh, that was just a bit of a fun sort of jaunt down memory lane. And a that was of- good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you've had the opportunity to say what you wanted to say. So Excellent. And a very quick change of pace. Oh, Our no. mate Ahmed Hafnui is, uh, swam the fourth fastest time in the 800 freestyle this year, so you can be absolutely assured. Um, He's on the juice. 
well, at eighteen, he's doing pretty well. Did I, he? I did, I did, I did have that thought, and 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 all love to our Tunisian listeners. Um, if it turned out that he was on the juice, Ooh. and Jack McLaughlin ends up being an Olympic gold medalist. How flat would it be that you don't get to have the whole bells and whistles, yeah. the excitement, the crowd, the, oh, the family yeah. in the stands? Yeah, well, what are you talking about? Too? He's got none of that already. There. Have you ever, <laughs> ever heard the story about Valerie Adams? No, I've never heard Valerie, of that. No. Valerie Adams, do you know Stephen Adams who plays centre in the NBA? I do. Yes, Stephen Adams is he's the New Zealander. Correct. Big, yeah. He is her younger brother. He is her like, younger brother. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, one of 10 or 11 siblings. Something or something. like that. Anyway, Valerie won, I'm pretty sure it was the discus at a couple of Olympic Games. Um, and with one, she got beaten by a, like, a Ukrainian or someone like that. Um, and she was in a car park talking to a coach and advice had come through that after the Olympics, after she'd been on the, the, the rostrum receiving a silver medal and all that sort of stuff, been the dominant thrower for a decade, and uh, message came through. She's tested positive. You're now the Olympic gold medalist. She was sitting in the car on her own, and she just sort of said, "Like there was a satisfaction of I knew I was the best in the world. This is justification that I was." But you've been robbed of the ro- robbed of the fanfare, and you go, "That would absolutely suck." Well, doubt. I mean, it would. I, without wanting to, to derail the show, um, I'm, I remember having a really like a off the record, and no, like nothing spurious or anything interesting was said, but with Sam Mitchell, just about the Brownlow. And in, in that regard where you sort of, it's a um, really humbling honour and he's you know, wrapped and whatnot to have won a Brownlow medal, but it is a strange relationship with the Stop medal. Stop moving, Timbo. It is a, you know, you have a strange relationship with the award because you didn't get the, the experience on the night of winning it in the room. And so it's this, it's this interesting perspective you have on being an Olympic gold medalist or a Brownlow medalist or whatever the honour might be because... You didn't get the bells and whistle fanfare that you expected came with it. Yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Um, very good, boys. Fantastic. We might do it all again tomorrow. Uh, sorry, tomorrow. Next week. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what day, maybe something will break. Maybe there'll be some late breaking news tomorrow that'll set everyone on their ass. Um, I think that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Absolutely it done. Excellent uh, for Tim Davis. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, not when you get beaten by 39 points by the uh, current wooden spooners. I did, anyway. I, I did laugh where someone – it was a good stat. Like, I'm not having a go at the stat because it was, it, was it was a good sort of, you know, how shit are we kind of stat. But it was something about we've lost to the bottom – or the last time we didn't lose to the bottom team was like 2014 or something. I said, well, yeah. in fairness, we were the bottom team <laughs> for a number of those years. <laughs> we had no one, so, we had no one to be. <laughs> we actually statistically couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. And for Fabian Guadagnolo – Want to say that? Uh, I don't know that you know, guys. Excellent. And getting my intros and my outros mixed up. For me, Sean Peabach, thank you very much. Remember, hashtag Prenda DJ if you can get the theme of this week's song. We'll give you a shout out next week. Go Blues. Nah, fucking did. Melodramatic fools. Neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me It all keeps setting up I think I'm cracking up Am I just paranoid? Am I just stuck? I went to a shrink To analyze my dreams She says it's like a sex that's bringing me down
Sometimes I give myself the dreams Sometimes my 